Hey, so we're looking at uh, tranquility this month. We're exploring boundaries. Uh, you know, there's a lot uh, said and a lot written about boundaries in the personal development uh, space. It's something that comes up consistently in coaching conversations, for example. Um, and it's just one of those words that we intuitively know that we need to take seriously. Um, we know it's something that we need to, um, I guess, kind of shore up in our lives. But um, we often kind of get a little bit uh, stuck working out what what it means and, and how to do it. Um, so the question that we can start with is, is what for? You know, what? why do we need better boundaries? What will better boundaries, what will having better boundaries make possible um, for us? Exploring some, uh, some early questions can help us to position ourselves in the right kind of way when uh, with the right kind of approach to boundary making. You know, what are some of the underlying factors that lead us to know that we need better boundaries in the first place? You know, we might be thinking things like, well, I'm exhausted. I don't have the energy to do what really matters to me. Or I can't relax because people will just call me up and expect me to drop what I'm doing and help them um, at any moment. I don't have time for self-care. I constantly seem to be fighting fires and I'm always kind of living in that liminal space, that, that, um, that limbo place between, um, you know, hoping that once this fire is extinguished, I'll be able to make better use of my time. Then I'll be able to uh, do what, what needs to be done, what's important to me. I might think I can't relax or focus when I'm um, doing something for me. I feel like I'm neglecting or letting others down. Like it's, I feel guilty when I'm um, prioritizing something that means that I'm saying no to somebody else. Um, I might go through huge peaks and troughs, uh, massively productive uh, and energized one week, but then the next week I can barely find motivation to get out of bed. Seem to always go with the flow always go with other people's ideas, other people's um, preferences and desires. Even if I don't want to do what others are doing, I never choose things like where to eat or what to watch or how to spend Saturday afternoon, for example. Um, I get annoyed that people can't read my mind. I, I bubble away resenting my partner, my friends, my kids, because uh, they are so thoughtless, they're unable to see that, that I'm kind of raging here and, and I want to do something different or whatever. I wonder if any of these ring true for you. What are the warning signs that, that tell you that you need um, better boundaries or that better boundaries will, will somehow um, kind of make life less full of friction and, and smooth, uh, uh, run more smoothly? I want to explore the idea that a boundary is a third object in a relationship environment or situation. It's something that has been defined not as part of, of us, but as part of what feeds the safe, healthy and smooth running of whatever it serves. You know, boundaries are a deliberate practice. They are not something that we either have or don't have. They are things to get in place, things to experiment with, things to play with. I was recently reminded about the importance of taking our relationship with boundaries seriously when I read The Coaching Habit by Michael Bungay Stanya. Uh, he points out that 
yes to something is always a no to something else. You might have heard this kind of idea before. Um, and when the yes is to the wrong thing, we create boundaries that stop us from getting to the things that we really want. In other words, we're always making boundaries. There are always boundaries around us um, in partnership with other people or organizations. Whether we realize it or not, we are partaking in the uh, creation or the, the, the kind of acceptance of boundaries. And if we experience that, that deep need to set better boundaries, it's likely because the boundaries that we are partaking in that we've set are actually stopping us from getting to the important things um, that, that we would want to choose. In this case, our boundaries are separating us from ourselves. Sometimes these boundaries are, are purposefully generated by somebody or something else in an effort to, I guess, control us somehow or, or, or use us for their own um, agenda, their own ends. But other times they might be generated by our own fear of what could happen if we are suddenly free to embrace the choices that we have over our life. You know, if we suddenly um, step away from those boundaries that have stopped us from getting to ourselves, then we have to face that almost more um, like existential sort of threat, which is coming to terms with our own freedom to choose certain things. The other thing that he writes um, in the book is that we uh, we struggle with establishing um, firm, meaningful boundaries when saying no to something is saying no to someone. And I think this is a really fascinating point and one that leads us to ask how we might um, extract the personal part from our relationship with boundary setting um, and how to, to kind of offset that into a third object, you know, the thing that serves the bigger picture, what we want more of and what we want less of. Uh, it's often easier to say no to ourselves than it is to say no to to other people, uh, especially if we attach some sort of deep personal story to what will happen if we hold a boundary. You know, people pleasing, we might fear being rejected, uh, fear what people will think of us, how they'll react if we um, if they perceive us to be rocking the boat or whatever. But actually, when we create better boundaries, everybody benefits in some way. You know, it's uncomfortable at first, of course. Uh, but when the right kind of boundaries are created in the right kind of way, they enable safety and health and energy for, for everybody involved. It establishes an understanding of what is um, expected, uh, what is permitted, what is acceptable, um, and gives everybody uh, responsibility to to feed into this this boundary. Like it's not just your boundary. It's a boundary that, that holds a, a responsibility for everybody involved in maintaining it. Um, let's just briefly consider uh, some of the boundaries that stop us from living in healthy attachment to what truly matters, as I, I kind of mentioned a minute ago. So, you know, in the workplace, for example, our our pay, the fear of losing something that's important to us, which is obviously making a living, making money. These are things that uh, means we mean we might put up with more than we than we need to, than we than we like have to. Um, you know, in the workplace, other people's work ethic as well. This is a, uh, a big one that I've noticed time and time again, when you get sort of uh, one person maybe, or a, a type of person who sacrifices themselves unrelentingly uh, to the, the so-called greater good. Um, 
And it, it kind of creates this culture that of expectation that everybody should go above and beyond um, what like what their job is worth, essentially. And while there can be some sort of virtue in that, actually what that does in the long run is it means that people who have firm boundaries are seen as somehow sort of outsiders. And so creating boundaries that protect your energy, protect your kind of sanity um, is, is then kind of seen as a, as a, as a negative thing almost, you know, a culture where the expectation is that you lock yourself out for the sake of someone or something else's uh, agenda. And this is obviously, you know, going to be perpetuated by those people who, who get, who have a payoff from people, you know, doing that relationships like hope can stop us from from living in healthy relationship with ourselves when we constantly surrender to the hope that uh, we can come to ourselves at some point down down the line as soon as the current fire is extinguished but if we're operating within that kind of structure then there's always going to be another fire even when we put this fire out there there's going to be another fire um, and then within relationships, there's there's fear aspects as well. You know, when we're afraid of maybe loneliness or or being um, deserted or being left, the boundary stops us from from being and becoming ourselves. Um, and the fear means that we always will put other people first at the expense of um, of ourselves or other people like, yeah, put everybody else's preferences before our own. Um, and that doesn't serve to help anything. It doesn't serve to help the relationship, even though like it might on one level feel like it's selfish to put your own needs at any in any place in the relationship. Actually, it's it's completely not. Um, it's a necessary part of the boundary that we're all feeding into that thinking of it as the third part um, within a family, for example, within a relationship. Um, you You all need to be playing into those boundaries together and have an understanding and an expectation of of what that means the responsibility and the sacrifice um, in one of the chapters for uh, of his uh, forthcoming book how to live Derek Sivers writes don't do well what you shouldn't do at all <laughs> and I I think this is a it was a, a really interesting thing to sort of uh, reflect on for a little while you know if there's something you ought not to be doing it doesn't matter how well you do it um, and how easy it is to get distracted down this road of competence over meaning. You know, we spend our time and energy on things that we're rewarded for, maybe because we've done them well, but they stop us from doing the thing that truly matters to us. Um, and and over a, a long period of time, we can find ourselves, you know, just stepping stone after stepping stone, moving in a direction that actually doesn't isn't important to us, doesn't have any intrinsic sense of meaning for us other than the fact um, we've been kind of rewarded by uh, like praise of our competence of doing it. Um, and that that is in itself an alluring thing at times. Um, so, I mean, how do you identify what you shouldn't do? So often it's the opposite message that we receive when we do something well. Um, you know, a, a, oh, you're really, really great at that. You should do more of it. Um, and then you think, oh, should I? Am I? Oh, wow. Yeah. And and we just attach to that. You're really good at that. 
rather than it's important to me. Um, and, and that can lock us out um, of, of like it can put us on the other side of the boundary between ourselves and what we're doing. Before this becomes, <laughs> I guess, too abstract and uh, hard to find a, find a practical foothold into, hopefully it's, hopefully it's making tangible sense, but maybe we, we could do a little exercise. You might have come across this um, in, in one form or another at some point. Um, it's quite a, a common thing that's used um, in workplaces and, and personal development, but it's commonly known as the time management matrix. Um, it's from, I don't know whether he developed it, but it's, it's certainly in Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, and I find it is a really like, solid foundation for exploring boundaries. I don't like the name. Time management matrix is a horrible, <laughs> a horrible name for it. Uh, so let's call it something different, like the energy window, the boundary box. I don't know if you've got a uh, a suggestion, then I'd love to hear it. But essentially, it has four squares: um, urgent and non-urgent across the top, so two columns across the top; important and non-important down the side, made of two rows. Um, and so the top left. Uh, box part of the window is quadrant one um, which is the uh, the cross-section of urgent and important so this is the kind of crisis zone it's where things require immediate action uh, deadlines those fires that need putting out uh, problems that can't wait um, everything is is very reactive uh, like a, a a batter with a ball coming towards them it's just hit you've got to hit the ball away or whatever or play the ball in some way. Quadrant two, which is the next one over, so top right, is not urgent but important. Um, this is the the kind of the core of of meaning, and this is growth. This is this is purpose. This is you know stuff that feels good. Um, where proactive activities are prioritised, it's getting things in place in many ways so that fewer things will end up in in quadrant one, or fewer quadrant things will just to sort of require your attention in, in a quadrant one um, situation. Quadrant three, bottom left, is urgent but not important. Uh, so these are pretty much other people's priorities for us, uh, you know, interruptions that come flying into our, uh, our midst. Uh, some sorts of phone calls, some, some emails, uh, some meetings, um, and and popular activities, you know, things that you're told, oh, you've got to do this. Um, you've got till the end of the day to sign up for this thing. Um, and they're, they're things that other people would maybe deem important. They have a, a pressing time quality to them, um, but they're not really uh, important to you and they don't really matter to you. And then quadrant four, bottom right, is uh, not urgent or important. So it's kind of Probably stuff that we spend a lot of time on, you know, busy work, uh, trivia stuff. Um, you know, I, I guess a good example is is probably flicking through social media without any sense of uh, purpose to it. Time wasting, the numbing activities, the unhelpful procrastination that we we um, yeah fall prey to a lot in our modern world. And so, boundaries are required to help us spend more time in quadrant two, which is ultimately where we're aiming to build a lot more of our lives into and to recognize when we're confusing uh, quadrant three for quadrant one as well. 
identifying things that are important and urgent versus not important um, and uh, and <laughs> not important and urgent. Yeah, that's it. Um, and so, yes, yeah, St- Stephen Covey says effective people stay out of quadrants three and four um, and shrink quadrant one by spending more time in quadrant two. Again, the the words the word quadrant. It, it, this all feel it's it's very sort of uh, corporate and clinical, um, and yeah, hopefully we can we can find a, a way to make it more playful and, and creative. Um, but yeah, so as I say, quadrant two is the is the core zone for most for more kind of expanse and creativity in our lives because it's it's where we we get things in place that are going to reduce. Uh, the amount of time that we spend focusing on quadrant one or needing to focus on quadrant one. Um, although obviously there, there's always unexpected things that occur. Uh, we we often operate within that place all the time. And if we spend a lot of time in quadrant one, like everything just f- gets filtered into there um, because we don't spend any time in quadrant two. We, we, we will be thinking, right, as, after I've put this fire out, then I'll be able to do what matters most. Um. And so in that sense, quadrant two is rooted in this vision for what matters most and is where um, when we kind of shore this place up, boundaries emerge from the inside out. So you're concentrating on what matters most. Uh, it's not pressing in terms of time. It's it's rooting you in, you know, healthy stuff and things that feel good and the, the proactive activities that mean you're not going to be having to put out fires down the road and when we need to protect ourselves from certain things that would otherwise take our inner resources boundaries that are required from the outside in and and both of these kinds of boundaries are necessary um, and probably yeah it's important not to confuse them you know we can think of the difference between these boundaries in the context of this of this window of this energy window of this uh, the boundary box or whatever <laughs> whatever i called it um inside out boundaries come from intentionally spending more time in quadrant two and outside in boundaries come from raising awareness and staying out of quadrant three um, an example of quadrant three might be people who feel um they can call on you and you'll drop what you're doing to help them at any time 24 7 um and and so the the there's there's no boundary that they can see to their entitlement to your time to your energy to to you um you can redefine responsibilities or commitments so that they either become quadrant 1 um so important and urgent but confined within a specific time uh limit or space and so that boundary would look like okay yeah i i'm like this is this person's important to me i want to give them my time um but i can only i I will only do that between four and five three days a week and then that becomes you know time bound urgent in the sense of it, it is within that specific time and important because you've chosen to say yes to it you've chosen to say do you know what yeah this person is important to me i do want to be there to support them um, but this is what the, this is what that boundary looks like, um, and then that can be communicated, that can be observed, and the responsibility is then put to them as well um, to to respect that. Um, whether they do or not, that's a, a different a different matter. 
um, and and the kind of I guess the shoring up and the consistent um, maintenance of boundaries is a, is another uh, thing <laughs> altogether, really. Um, and, and or you can put it into quadrant two, where you give what you're willing to give at a time that feels expansive and good to you. Um, so yeah, it would it would be a um, I don't know. That's that's probably harder to to manage because um, it would mean you, I suppose, organizing your own time to suit you. Okay, this is like I want to give my time. I want to give my energy to this person um, in a limited way, and I will do that not at a specific time every day or <clears throat> three days a week, um, but I'll do it as and when you know, I, I want to, that makes it slightly hard, be, harder because you're not both, um, kind of, uh, paying into or sacrificing into that, that third thing, which is the, the boundary of that so-called partnership. Um, quadrants one and three are the areas to begin practicing saying a firm, but pleasant. No, I think, um, I bet you can think of the kinds of things that might go there, stuff you feel you should do or you feel pressured to do but you kind of resent or just feel so pressed for time that the idea of doing it right now is really it's constricting it like makes you you know your breath go a little shallow and it's going to mean that you can't do what you're already committed to doing or you or the, the stuff that you really want to do yes to something is always a no to something else um let's remember that um and yeah, when the yes is to the wrong thing, those boundaries can stop us from getting to the things that we really want. This leaves us outside of quadrant two and inside one of those other quadrants. Um, yeah, and in the book, uh, Michael Bungay Stanya gives a good a list of good and bad reasons to say yes and no, which I'll share with you. I, th I think this is really this is quite helpful just to use as a frame of reference really so he says bad reasons to say yes um, again you might recognize some of these at, at times I know I do um, I'll do anything to have you get off the phone to leave the office so you say yes uh, I know that I'm not actually going to do it uh, what does that do that just you know it's it's a bit mean to your future self because you're going to have to uh, you're going to have to do something in the future in order to backtrack on the commitment that you've just made. Uh, I think this will make people really like me. That's another bad reason to say yes. And habit. Um, probably less easy to identify um, if it become if it's something that we just do uh, mindlessly and habitually. Uh, good reasons to say yes. I was curious about the request and asked questions and the person gave me good answers. So I said yes. I'm clear on what I'm going to stop doing so that I can start doing this. So knowing, okay, when I say yes to this, I'm going to have to say no to something else or I am saying no to something else. I, I, I am very aware of the thing that I'm saying no to or I'm going to say no to in order to make room for this new yes. Um, it's great work for me, work that will have an impact and that means something. Um, so obviously this is in the context of I guess a workplace or, you know, work in general. Um, and so is this one. My boss has made it clear that it's not negotiable. So it's a good idea to say yes. <laughs> uh, good reasons to say yes. 
Um, then bad reasons to say no. Uh, the first one is I don't like the person unless I really don't like the person. Uh, that's nice. Uh, I'm comfortable and I don't want things to change. Um, bad reason to say no. Number two, attack is the best form of defense and habit. Again, bad reason to say no. I think, I think we can, we can all get caught in, in the habit of saying either yes or no. And this is, this is interesting, actually, this was something, something else that I thought, you know, sometimes we can, we can actually develop this perception that the wrong people are enemies and believe that uh, if things were, if, if, if we could keep things out, then we could live the life we want. And so this, this kind of fits with this idea of just habitually saying no and excluding all things like this, this kind of constant, um, this constant idea that I'm, I need to say no to everything and everyone and actually realizing that no, that the, there's, there's potentially something really worth digging into if you said yes to the right things. Um, and it's not about having, ha- it's not about having too much, um, on your plate. It's about having the wrong things on your plate uh, and getting the right things on your plate. Um, and then good reasons to say no. I was curious about the request and asked questions and the person gave me good answers. So now I know it's not a fit. So I got confused. There. I thought, <laughs> am I reading the same thing again? Uh, yeah. So yeah, the person gave me good answers. Now I know it's not a fit. So you've got some good evidence to, to say, yeah, this is, um, that's really helpful what they've, what they've given me. And I know it's a no. I've thought about what my core priorities are and I'm willing to hold the line. Um, so there might be a, a kind of a, a moral factor to that, I suppose. There might be just a, um, a sense of, no, I know what my responsibilities are right now. And I know that if I say yes, that is going to impinge on those responsibilities. It's going to um, compromise my current priorities, current commitments. Uh, I'm trying to build a reputation as someone who's strategic and thoughtful. Um, so, yeah, I suppose in that sense, kind of leading by example. Um, and I would say, you know, within that that kind of uh, example that we, we talked about earlier with the workplace, when you, you have somebody who constantly goes above and beyond to f- for the sake of the greater good, so-called greater good, actually being a role model in saying no um, is a is a strong reason to say no um, because it gives other people... Um, a a model to use in saying no and in prioritizing the things that are actually more important, like health, like family, like those, those things that might be priority. Um, So yeah, that might be important for you. Uh, He also points out that it's, it's often harder to say no to things outside of our immediate sphere. Um, And so the first part of building boundaries is to say yes slowly um and he advocates for um asking questions like that's come up there in the in the kind of which one was it the good reasons to say yes and the good reasons to say no start with he starts with questions i've asked i've asked a load of questions and i've received some good answers and he says um go through go through questions uh, with whoever's you know asking you to do something um 
for example, why are you asking me to do it? Um, or why are you asking me? Um, whom else have you asked? When you say this is urgent, what do you mean? According to what standard does this need to be completed? By when? If I couldn't do all of this, what could, <laughs> if I couldn't do all of this, but could do just a part, what part would you have me do? Uh, what do you want me to take off my plate so that I can do this? Yeah, and he says, being curious at all times allows the boundaries to build through the responses uh, that you get. Um, and so he's got four responses to, to kind of listen out for, to look out for. The first response might be the person tells you to stop with the annoying questions and just get on with the task. Um, and depending on the person, the culture and the urgency of the task, sometimes it's clear that you're expected to do what you're told. Um, so this, that, I suppose that could go one of two ways. Um, maybe it's enough. Like if, if somebody's, you know, asking an unreasonable request and you're not kind of in a position where you, they're, they're your line manager or like it's that non-negotiable, um, then it's probably quite a clear uh, red flag in terms of it being a no. Um, the second response, there are good answers to your questions. That's a win for you because it means that the request was thoughtful and you're not just being asked because you have a pulse and yours was the first email address that started to populate the to address line. This reminds me of something, someone I used to work with who would call me every, <laughs> I would get a call from, from him constantly. Uh, if there was an issue, like if he had a problem or, um, someone needed to get in touch with someone about, um, you know, something going on at work. And he, he said, well, it's just your name's, your name's the top of the, uh, the list on the address book. So I, I always ring you. Um, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that is a waste of time because when, when was the last time I ever answered? <laughs> I can never answer. You'd be more effective if you find, work out who answers the phone, just put them on, you know, speed dial or whatever, if that's still a thing. Um, then response three, they don't have the answers, but might be willing to find them for you. That's good. It buys you time at a minimum and it's quite possible that they'll not get back to you. Um, and then response four, you might drive them to distraction. They'll say, uh, you're too much like hard work. I'm going to find someone who says yes more quickly than you do. Um, and so, yeah, I, I guess these are just a few ideas to prevent the wrong things from populating quadrant one um, and from anything populating quadrant three. Um, quadrant four is a, is a whole different kettle of fish. I think we, we all have our struggles with that one. Um, and I guess in, in fact, just working through this stuff is itself a quadrant two activity because it's kind of building something that will, uh, help proactively address potential urgent requests before they arrive. It, it'll get in place some kind of processing. Um, again, yeah, it, uh, let's find a different word for that, but, uh, yeah, the, the, this kind of, this response that you can have when those, uh, both before those um, requests come in and uh, also in response to those requests uh, when they arrive. Um, so that's some stuff to work through or work with uh, this month. You know, tranquility comes from boundaries. I think boundaries are, are really important as a part of, uh, you know, developing more tranquility in our lives. Um, and they come from knowing what's important, knowing what's not, knowing when to react and when to let go. Um, 
so yeah, I suggest maybe use this this uh, this energy window, this boundary box, and do a, an audit at some point this week. Maybe through the entire week, uh, you can sort of reflect on uh, all the activities that you do. You know, don't try to change anything as you go. Just just raise awareness in yourself. Like put things in the appropriate box as you as you're doing something, or after you, like reflect on the day that you've had. Like what went where in those four. Um, four parts of the box no right or wrong way to do it you know I, I suppose the more detail that you can add the more helpful it might be in in terms of raising awareness and then giving you something to work with as you begin to um, look at look at how you might be able to then um, tackle the non um, the non-urgent stuff that is or the non-important stuff that is taking up a lot of your inner resources and the urgent stuff that is um, you know leading you away from the important stuff boundaries will then begin to expand from the inside out and and get implemented from the outside in um so yeah i hope that will make sense i'm going to share i'll share like a, an example of my own um you know some of the things that i've noticed uh, and put in those boxes over the years um just to kind of give a little bit of uh, inspiration and something to 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 build on for yourself um, but i hope this has been helpful um, and I hope this is the start of something that, that will continue to bear fruit for you as well. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts and how you get on. Um, we'll, we'll explore it in the, uh, yeah, in the, in the theme area on the site. Cool. All right. See you soon.